0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com. It's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. And if this doctor tells you to turn your head and cough, you should run fast the other way. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Hi, Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the recording studio built here at my home office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And on this week's show in pipe parts, I'm going to take pipe parts and uh, get caught up on um, some longer answered questions for the uh, from the mailbag. Uh, some of them are, uh, you know, some of them are a good refresher too. So, always a, you know, always a good to refresh and kind of update on some of these questions. But we'll take pipe parts and do that. Uh, my guest this week is more discussions with Fred or inside Fred's head or two doctors dissing on pipes. So we got that coming up. And uh, mailbag music and uh, all that fun stuff coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Uh, Remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to the show. And if you haven't already, uh, Apple Podcasts ratings and reviews much, much, much appreciated. Please do that. And please make sure you are sharing the Pipes Magazine Radio Show out wherever you have pipe-smoking friends. And just a quick update on the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. Although I don't think I can say their names publicly, there are a couple of, uh, well, three or four at least that I know of, industry, uh, industry titans that will be wandering around the show floor. So not only do you have all the, uh, all the regulars, all the folks that have uh, taken tables, uh, numerous doctors of pipes, uh, got a couple, got a couple folks that uh, that'll just be wandering around the show floor. That'll be there. That are going to be interesting. So, uh, for those of you coming to Vegas, yeah, you'll find out who they are when you get there. Probably. <laughs> All right. Uh, remember, go to VegasPipeShow.com. Book your, uh, pay for your admission to the show prior to September 21st, and you get entered into a raffle for one of two handmade pipe sets. There's a two pipe set and a four pipe set. More information all on vegaspipeshow.com. And for those of you that aren't coming, sorry, I know you're getting tired of me hearing about, hearing me talk about this, but <laughs> all right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. and we are back on the pipes magazine radio show and all right for pipe parts we're uh, going to some some longer some questions that i've got and i've held on to them for a little bit so i apologize to those folks that ask them but uh here they go and these are these are kind of refreshers but again a refresher is good i'll try to do them as succinctly as possible uh but uh james the pipe rookie asks uh have you done a show about tips for buying estate pipes on ebay if not, it might be a helpful topic for we pipe rookies. Yeah, it's always a helpful topic, and I've done them in the past. And uh, things have you know things have changed. But first of all, all right. So here's my suggestion for buying on eBay. One, make sure the seller has a decent reputation as a seller. You know, so over a hundred positive feedbacks at least. You know, these days. Two, three, four, five hundred is is not bad to look at. Two, make sure the seller offers a refund or return policy, so that way, if you get the pipe and it's just not comfortable for you, you are perfectly, you know, you're perfectly able to return it. You may have to pay the shipping back, but that's part of the online buying game. Uh, three, ask the seller if they have just done a light cleaning to it or what they have done to it prior to sale so like I know my uh, my friend Steve Fallon on his stuff on his pipes he doesn't do any work on the pipes he leaves that up to you which is somewhat preferential for me because I would uh, if I don't know what the estate seller has done to the pipe or know their caliber of work you know I'd rather it be done by somebody that I know so I can buy the pipe. And if I can't do it, I can send it off. Uh, make sure that the seller ask the seller, have you re bowl coded or redrilled or done any of that to the pipe? Cause that will change the original of the pipe. And I guess my final thing is when buying on eBay, uh, make sure you're familiar enough with the product that you're buying to know what you should be getting. And I know that that's tough for, that's hard to say when a lot of you don't have a brick and mortar nearby, or especially as a newbie, you don't have experience with the pipes, but make sure that, you know, make sure it's what you want. Make sure that you know what you're getting. And finally with eBay, because, you know, even those of us that are super experienced, you know, one out of 10 times we might get a deal that goes bad. Well, just make sure you're not spending the uh, the family mortgage. All right. Uh, and then nextly, uh, Ryan asks uh, about dehumidifying tobacco. <laughs> How do you dry out tobacco in a humid, natural environment? Uh, well, so here in my house this time of the year during the summer it's a natural 45 to 50 percent uh, relative humidity inside the house pipe tobacco is going to be packed on average in the 76 78 percent range some might be a little drier than that some might be a little wetter than that well how do you do it uh, it's really hard this time of the year uh the best thing you can do is maybe a uh maybe lay it out on a paper towel put the paper towel you know fold the paper towel over it and press down and that may get some of the moisture out temporarily uh you can use a uh you can use a hair dryer and hair you know hit the hair dryer with it for a couple of minutes but that will just help it temporarily here in the south you know, in the southeast where Again, natural humidity inside the house with air conditioning running is 50-55%. You're only going to be able to do it temporarily. So maybe one bowl at a time or two bowls at a time. Uh, The minute you open up that pouch or that Ziploc bag or that tin again, well, that humidity is going to jump right back in and start soaking it up. Uh, now the benefit is if your tobacco gets too dry, well, just do what I did this summer. I left some uh, tins of some tins that had leaked. I left them sitting out on my screened-in porch, and yeah, another week or so, I'll go out there and get them, and then we'll open them and smoke them, possibly. All right, so hope that helps. But there, there really is no way to fight Mother Nature. Um, and then uh, James, the pipe newbie, uh, the the new pipe smoker, asks. Uh, what is a Balkan blend? What is an English blend? And this is a long standing argument to me. A Balkan blend is one that is, uh, higher in Latakia and lower in Virginia. And an English blend is a blend that is primarily Virginia that has Latakia in it. See the difference? Uh, English blends are, you know, are going to be a predominant Virginia base, where Balkan blends are going to be a predominant uh, Latakia base. So that's kind of how to how to get it. Uh, then he asks, uh, L.J. Peretti in Boston sells yellow cans of blends. Do people smoke these blends straight, or do they mix it in with other tobaccos? Uh, they so L.J. Peretti and a lot of brick and mortars a lot of online retailers will sell uh, finished blends and then they'll sell blending components so if it just says in it that it's uh you know cyprian latakia straight well that's for mixing uh if it's a straight virginia long cut well, that's just for mixing. If it's a cube cut burley in general, that's just for mixing. But then if it describes the blend as a, uh, you know, an essence of Virginia's with a little hint of this and a little hint of that, well, that's a finished blend. The real answer is over time and experience what you smoke will, uh, you know, the more you smoke, the more experience you get, and you may find something that you like. I mean, I know a lot of people that enjoy just a straight cube cut burley. So just keep trying stuff. Try everything at least once. All right. There you go. An extended pipe parts of Q and a more in the mailbag later on. And in just a moment, my uh, inside Fred's head and uh, more questions and answers with Dr. Fred Hanna. This is internet radio. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, We've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornella Deal. From the Seller series to the small batch project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. And we are back on the pipes magazine radio show. All right. Question number one. Uh, and this is a little bit shorter one than normal of, uh, two doctors dissing on pipes. So here's, uh, me and Fred Hanna. Okay. Fred, here's another one of out of your mind and not mine. Cause yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I am,
1: I am out of my mind. Yeah, so please. You're
0: out of your mind and I'm the leading expert on my own opinion. And here it goes. Um, <laughs> okay. overall, Do you think that bents are better smokers than straight pipes? Why or why not? What's your answer to that one?
1: My answer is that I think they're they're the same.
0: Yep. Why?
1: Um, I've smoked straight pipes. I've, I've talked to people who believe that straight pipes are better smokers. I've never seen any evidence of it myself. I know, as I've already said, I prefer the shape of a bed pipe. But if I thought that straighter pipes, or straight pipes, I mean, were better smokers, that might change my uh, my uh, collecting habits. But I've never I've tried it, especially years and years ago. I, I tried it. I never saw there was any difference. How about you?
0: Well, you know, this, for me starting out, I was, you would have thought I was, you would have thought bent pipes. I was allergic to them because I really, yeah, yeah. I, everything I wanted was straight. Um, huh. And until about uh, 12, 13 years ago, all my pipes were straight Levats and Canadians. And I mean, okay no you you could have lined them up. They looked like the New York City Rockettes. They were almost all the same height, just some had longer legs and shorter bodies. Uh, really, and then I you know I remember I remember you back in those days. I I that's right. I do remember you smoking straight pipes. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, huh? And I and I still lean more towards straight pipes. It's just that I have more. Uh, bent pipes. Uh, I have bent pipes now. So, and I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm not against them. When I'm out and about, all, most of my workhorse pipes are, you know, small. You know, straight pipes, five inches long. You know, they are what they are, and I know how to smoke them, and I know how I like to smoke them. Um, I think bent pipes because of the shape of them. I think they're just not as utilitarian as a straight pipe is Uh, I think there's a little bit more uh, a a little more effort maybe to work a pipe cleaner because you got to make sure it makes the bend uh, as opposed to a straight pipe where you don't have to really think about it you can be in the car driving down the road and I've done this before one hand on the wheel holding the pipe and the other hand putting the pipe cleaner up there and no effort whatsoever because a straight pipe is more utilitarian and Just a straight shot in and back out.
1: Absolutely, absolutely true. Uh, That's a really good point. Yeah, and I
0: and I think, I think, therefore I am. um, I think there's you know there's less chances of uh, hiccups or you know with the air hole going through with a straight pipe than there is with a bent pipe. Um, I think it's easier. I think it's easier for the pipe maker to get the draft hole all the way into the very bottom of the bowl on a straight pipe than it is on a bent pipe so i
1: agree with you there but let's let's face it the the pipes that we buy um the the pipe maker is not going to be that incompetent
0: no, damn right. You know the men, the money I'm spending on these pipes. Some of them better smoke themselves. But that's coming up in a future one. I think we may save that one for the very end. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That may be the time that no one wants to hear us again after that. But <laughs> yeah, right. uh, but yeah, I just I I've often described sometimes to people sarcastically that uh, straight pipes are. Yeah, bent pipes are to straight pipes. What training wheels on a bicycle are to real bicycles. So a bent pipe is a little more forgiving when it comes to moisture. It's a little more forgiving when it comes to comfort. It's a little more forgiving when it comes to... Yeah, just smoking it because you've got that extra bend, which has a little more angle and a little longer shank. You know,
1: I never, I never thought of it that way.
0: That's really interesting. Uh, so huh. the, minute you, the minute you're able to learn how to smoke a straight pipe is when you're riding your bike without your training wheels on. Yeah, that's a very, very interesting point, Brian. I, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's just me. <laughs> I'm interested. No, that's good. No, uh, that's
1: great. I like that.
0: I'm, I'm interesting and I'm funny and I'm good looking too. And mama says so.
1: Wow. Can I, do you think your mama would, would say things like that to me? Nobody else does.
0: No, you're from the wrong cousin of, uh, Abraham. Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that.
0: Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, no. So that's my, you know, that's my thing of straight versus bent, I think. And why I lean more towards. Straight pipes.
1: That's good. I'm glad you mentioned that stuff. That, that I think,
0: uh, honestly, I never
1: thought of it that way before. That's very cool.
0: And I think when I, when I head to the reclining chair for the, uh, for the last smoke of the day and, you know, sitting in front of the TV, I think that's when I lean more towards a bent pipe because maybe it's just more, I don't know, more, you know, Picturesque of sitting with the bent pipe and a little bit bigger pipe.
1: Yeah. Depending on how you hold the pipe in your mouth, it won't get in the way of the TV screen either.
0: No, and and when you get to the reclining chair, you're no longer doing anything else. You're just sitting there with the TV. So holding the pipe in your hand is not that big of a deal. So I may go towards the larger pipe at that point. Um, Oh yeah. And I've got a little pipe stand right by there. You know, I can just park the pipe there and yeah as i'm getting older sometimes i'll grab the pipe i'll grab the tobacco i'll get the pipe cleaners ready i'll get into the chair turn on the tv and start watching something the next thing i know i'm too tired to smoke the pipe and i've fallen asleep <laughs> and there's the pipe just sitting there waiting for me <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i know how that works man yeah that we should we should have a special article somebody should write or something on your maybe on your your radio show, um, talk about pipe smoking and
0: binge watching. Mmm. Oh, binge watching sucks because uh, there's <laughs> no time to stop. You know. I know. <laughs> uh, I no. If you could, yeah. Here, I, I, and I know we may talk about this again in the future. You know, the the self smoking pipe or the never ending pipe. Oh Dang. yeah. Dang. Oh yeah. Yeah. And binge watching. Um or and binge watching and then it takes two years for the next the next group of shows to come out and you gotta go back oh and god. watch the other ones again to go Oh from, my <laughs> god, I know. Yeah. And you tell meanwhile you're you're sitting there watching,
1: you're thinking, you oh, know, I really don't have time for this. <laughs> but but you but. <laughs> keep watching.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I think we've killed that question because we're now talking about binge-watching, so uh, thanks, Fred. (laughs) And we'll take a break right here and come back with another question with uh, Fred Hanna.
2: For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop, too, is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr, worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents, and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy, and it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be.
0: And we're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and here is a little bit of a longer one, but it's... It's got some good material in here, son. It's about pipe mentors. Okay, Fred. This question really interests me, and I'm glad, and I'm I'm really glad you wrote this one down because I'm not sure. But of all the pipe mentors you have had, which pipe instruction would be most difficult to find these days? So you want to. You want to take that? Because I'm not sure which, uh, you know, I, I need some time to cogitate on this.
1: Yeah, sure. I uh, I look back at my early days, which would have been in the mid-1970s, um, and uh, the thing that we could do back then that's not as easily done today uh, for my pipe mentors was... Um, I could just go over to their house and look at their collections mm. and look at their collection of tobaccos. And um, there was a, uh, uh, I don't think saying his name would hurt anybody, hurt anything. hes uh, uh, He was a psychiatrist. I have not talked to him in years and years. He quit smoking some time back. He collected Sheratons, and he had over 300 Sheraton's back in the mid-70s, and he was instrumental um, in my getting um, involved with straight grain and, you know, Sheraton's, and um, he was a great mentor for me, but I could just go over to his house, he loved to trade, Um, and I remember um, when I wandered through Asia, I used to uh, buy uh, rubies and sapphires to sell to the uh, jewelers here in in the United States, and I would make sometimes huge profit margins, um, sometimes 20 times what I would pay um, in Asia. I could sell as the going price to a jeweler. And so sometimes he would see some of these stones, sapphires uh, especially, and some star sapphires, and um, not the artificial ones that you see today, by the way, uh, the real thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, because everything and, was better uh, 30 years ago.
1: Well, <laughs> and of course, that's, uh, that's a matter of perspective, Brian, <laughs> but um, whatever the case, he would sometimes want to trade um, pipes for gemstones. And um, so I ended up getting quite a few, uh, um, you know, um, really nice Sheratons, uh, selected and executives back then. And uh, those were just wonderful times. And he showed me all the different aspects of, of Sheratons. And um, hell, he had 300 of them. See, I can't. I couldn't do that today because, yeah, there's the Internet, but how many people have their entire collection um, on display on the Internet? Not many. Yeah. And so he. not only that, that personal one-to-one is much more spontaneous and much more, I should say, vibrant and alive in a live conversation than something that takes place by text or email or, you know, on some uh, pipe forum, and not to put those things down. I mean, those certainly have advantages, but that live mentorship is and that personal touch, <clears throat> where somebody teaches you, you know, different kinds of packing, and it's right in front of you, not something that you would read about or see on a uh, on a, a YouTube video. That this is. Uh, uh, an aspect of human contact and human interaction that I think has been lost. So there was Doc. You know, we called him Doc Gottlieb. He was, you know, that he was a psychiatrist. Um, the uh, my boss, who was the owner of the Tinderbox um, that I worked in for years, he was also a Sheraton collector and also um, had a variety of other pipes, uh, uh, notably Kamoz and. A few others and he taught me things um directly that i would not have been able to uh um know for quite a while if it hadn't been for him and so him and i also traded for Sheratons and we also traded for um gemstones as well um he, his name was uh uh mike and i uh will always uh value his friendship um so those were two mentors that I had I met Fred Janusik quite by accident he called uh, our shop in 1978 and he asked do we have any Sheratons, Dunhills or Barlings uh he also uh, he-,
0: he also called meeting you a terrible accident as well
1: well, yeah, I mean, I, I admit, I was the, the one that benefited from that. <laughs> Certainly not him. Um, but he him and I, you know, we uh, um, stayed in touch. Remember back then, there was no Internet um, or email, and so we actually wrote letters to each other, and I learned a lot from uh, Fred by phone usually. Yeah, um, where I could just ask him all kinds of questions, and he gave me mentorship that continues today. We're still friends with with Fred. You know, he comes to our Zoom every Saturday, and um, just a fantastic guy who uh, I will always treasure my friendship with. So, yeah. if that makes any
0: sense, no, and that that makes perfect sense, and all, and and that also prompted me into some the into, into some really good answers for this question too. so thank you um, you know to find in the and the key portion of this question for me is these days so these days that we're in now, I couldn't find these people that were that were important to me um, it would be impossible these days to find another. Peter Stokeby in my life.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh my uh, god, yeah.
0: I mean, I got the I had the very lucky opportunity to spend four you know, four really close years working with Peter. And Peter was, you know, he <laughs> yeah, he uh he was born in a tobacco factory and a retail store downstairs and You know, grew up in it and then lost a business, gained a business, built, rebuilt a business, uh, you know, every level of it. And he was willing to tell me what he was thinking at every moment of a meeting that we were in or every moment of his life. Uh, Wow. Wow. And now all the key tobacco companies are owned by... Uh yeah, you know, they're managed by CEOs. Uh, yeah. You know, with the, yeah. You know, with the recent passing of Henrik Hallberg, uh, McBaron is now under, you know, still in the Hallberg family, but Henrik was a tobacco guy, and that's what he was interested in. Uh, you know, and I got to spend some time with Henrik, although not nearly as close with Peter. But now, you know getting a chance to sit down with the CEO of Scandinavian Tobacco Company which runs Lane and Peter Stokeby and a couple other companies and I think the last job he had before that was he worked for Pandora Jewelry um mm. you know not quite the heritage as the chance to spend years with Peter Stokeby
1: Absolutely uh yeah
0: and I can say the same thing about my my uh relationship with uh with Perry Jensen because Per was you know Per and I got really close and we still are in contact on a regular basis uh but he was born in a pipe factory wow, isn't that amazing yeah literally born above it and grew up in the pipe business and then on the tobacco side with McBaron hmm. and this yeah you you just don't find a lot of those people anymore now there's a lot of shareholders and or executives that are hired in from other businesses and you know it guys and accounting people uh, yeah
1: see and one of the other things that i learned from mike um the owner of the, the Tinderbox, he um made it a since you know he Tinderbox did not control what he put in his shop he, uh, although mostly, you know, he, he went with the tinderbox uh, paradigm, but mm-hmm. he, he stocked just about every kind of high-quality, high-grade tobacco that was available at the time, everything from all the Dunhills to the Rats Rays, Three Nuns, um, <clears throat> and, you know, of course, Markovich, which is now a legend. Um, all the Sobranis, you know, the uh, 759 and uh, the uh, the white Sobrani, um, all of those tobaccos He and more, he had, um, you know, readily available. Uh, hell, I remember the first time we got a uh, McClellan's tin back in the old cans that you needed a can opener to open. Yeah. Um, And uh, I remember asking Mike, what the hell is this? He said, oh, we just got that. It's a little, you know, startup company from down there in in, uh, Kansas City. And I said, really, is this stuff any good? He goes, I don't know. Let's try it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I bought it. The label is pretty.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's a pretty, that pretty little whale on it. But, um, you know, it was just a, a, a fantastic time. And he... He really knew how to smoke a pipe. He really knew how to, you know, make a bowl. Um, last, he could uh, go forever without relighting. And I'm sure he's still better than I am today. Um, it was, those were just magical times. We'd get guys that come in who were big Dunhill collectors, and we'd have wonderful conversations. And we, not only that, we started a, a pipe club, Um, way back in the late 70s. And not only that, in that shop, we were actually selling estate pipes. They didn't call them that. They just called them used pipes. But we had a whole shelf of used pipes that um, customers would come in just for the used pipes. This was in the 1970s. He was so far ahead of the industry in terms of pipe sales and, what to market and what not um and he took our input you know the guys who worked for him he was always asking us our opinions it was just a fantastic environment Mm -hmm. and you know that kind of thing now is so spontaneous and um and so you know vibrant and that you know those days I don't think we're going to get those days back and I know um our earlier conversation on uh, new tobaccos versus old tobaccos
0: you mean the one where um, you pissed off a lot of people but go ahead yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. apparently I, I got some people upset I didn't that was not my intent
0: <laughs> um,
1: I was just being honest those old tobaccos uh, the, the, the way those old tobaccos were processed is very different than how it's done today and there was care given and steps that were taken for example, uh, Parique was pure black back then when I started in the mid-70s. It was pure black and so pungent. You could hardly put your nose in a, a bag of Perique without going half you know, conscious. <laughs> um, and today, you know, um, I recently got a pound of Perique um, from, uh, you know, our friend, uh, who's, you know, the pre-guy these days, and it's it's brown. Yeah. There was nothing, nothing near any kind of similarity. Um, and, you know, I can go on and on, but I really feel bad for those people who I pissed off. But, you know, hey, what can you say? Um, if you don't have something to compare a phenomenon to, then all you have to go on is what's, you know currently available but some of us have memories i'm sorry and i apologize to people that i pissed off i'm not saying don't smoke pipes anymore for god's sake <laughs> yeah everybody quit it's done yeah uh, yeah i am no. i'm never saying that but i'm
3: <laughs> this insane. is the
0: final episode of the pipes magazine radio show due to fred
1: Hanna.
3: <laughs> all right yeah. all right let's all quit
0: yeah
1: um let's you know and let's go back to Marlboros. But um,
0: Fred, but you he, you never worked on a suicide prevention hotline, did you?
1: Uh, I have my experience yeah. with suicide um, <laughs> as a clinician. Um, but anyway, I don't want to go down that road, yeah. Brian Jesus. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the the thing is, is you know. There are some things that were very different in the old days, and tobacco is one of them. It's not the only one by any means. I mean, I wouldn't want my phone to be from the 1970s. I wouldn't want my computer, heaven forbid, to be (laughs) from the 1970s, or my TV, you see. But there were some things that were different then that we uh, missed out on. That's all.
0: And that's why I feel a responsibility through this podcast and through some of the other electronic medias that we have now, uh, to continue sharing these stories and sharing these, you know, the, the history so that the modern pipe smoker has sources to these things that, you know, aren't ever going to happen again. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah you know i i really i really don't see another upstart pipe tobacco company coming onto the market in the in the um litigious world that we have right now
1: uh, oh yeah well so let me ask you a question Brian and yeah. if you want to save this for some other you know podcast chapter that's fine with me but if peter stokeby were to come back today and survey the um availability and um, quality of the highest grade tobaccos what would he say
0: uh peter Peter was a a market changer and a creative marketer uh, uh-huh. Peter would say you know what we just we we've got to make you know this is what we have available we have to make it Available as much as possible. Uh, and we have to make it, you know, we have to put out the best product that we that's possible. Um, he would adapt, he was very adaptable to markets. Um, you know, for example, he was, you know, he was partly responsible for, um, you know, for introducing the bulk tobacco program into parts of Europe, because he saw it in the U.S. and you know we were the we were the ones that started it here, and he was partly responsible for getting it there. Um, you know, he was he was always in tune with what was coming up and trying new things.
1: Yeah, that's right. What I'm asking is what if you were to look at. The tobaccos that were available in his prime, as opposed to the tobaccos that are available today, how would he? You know him better than anybody. Um, what would he say about the uh, the quality of what's available today versus the old days? I'm curious. I meant to ask you that before.
0: Yeah i I think he would. I think he would say that we just have to look harder and fat, and we have to look harder and broader for for stuff that will work for what we want. Um, Okay, so in
1: other words, the general standard of what was available back then was higher, although it sounds like you're saying the good stuff is still available, it's just harder to find.
0: Yeah, and I think he was also not afraid to invest a bunch of money into stuff, so he might have, you know, with his times that he spent in the fields in Kentucky and Tennessee, he might have gone to, he might have been bold enough to go to a third world country and, and start helping with tobacco growing there and tell them what they mm. need to do in order to make it. Cause, uh, he was also, um, uh, he was also very interested in every person that he met. Uh, every time I got into a taxi with him or went to a restaurant with him and the waiter was from a different country, Peter wanted to know how to say hello in their native language.
2: Wow, well, what, what a great, what a
1: great guy, man! Uh, you you were so fortunate to have him as a mentor. Talk about mentorship. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I mean that that's about as good as it gets.
0: Yeah, and yeah, so he was he was an adapter and a changer, and would have just rolled with it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and found out he would have found a way. Uh, he was. He was one of the, he was involved in the first non-tobacco product cigarette that made it to market. You're kidding me. No, it was a cigarette that was made out of like coconut shells and cabbage or something like that. And it was a non-tobacco product, no nicotine cigarette product. And it launched in the 1980s.
1: Wow. Is that something that you can buy at Taco Bell now?
0: Uh, that is something that you can buy at Whole Foods. Uh, Taco <laughs> Bell has processed stuff.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, just joking. No, but, uh, you, you yeah, can, so, you know, the whole thing about mentorship is different now. And like I said before, uh, these back in those days, you couldn't fake your credentials or fake your authority if you knew something. You knew something. These days, like I've said before, you can get a guy with six months of pipe smoking experience with an ego, of course, <laughs> that is monumental. And he can claim that he has um, you know, expertise on smoking pipes and tobaccos with six months experience. He's not going to tell you that, but he's going to act like he knows something. And he's going to give advice that is useless, worthless, or even in some cases actually destructive. And we don't know because these things can be hidden online very easily. And, and that's where that's where mentorship, I believe, um, is one of the um, the downsides. I'm I'm all for technology, but this is where this was one of the downsides of pipe smoking in terms of mentorship and learning. Um, And I don't know what the best way to to get around that is, except for joining a pipe club or going to the shows, you know?
0: Yeah, it was at a Richmond pipe show where I sat down next to Frank Blues, who was working for Lane Limit or somebody. Uh, I might have still been working for Lane at that point. And he described exactly how to tamp a pipe the way I do it now mm. yeah he, mm-hmm. he drew it he took out a pen and drew it on a cocktail napkin really and just drew out a pipe bowl and you know did a cross section and showed how to make yeah you know, he tries to keep the tobacco off the edges and keep a little dome of in the middle of the bowl so that
1: oh yeah
0: oh. you know that's
1: uh that's what uh rich esserman likes to do
0: and in rich esserman's case the dome is large enough to hold a football game inside of because of the size <laughs> of his pipes but yeah that's true uh, yeah, you know. So, you, so that did was say
1: anything about a super expensive tamper producing a better smoke? I'm just, I'm just. That's a joke. That's well, a joke. yeah, but just, keep
0: keep in mind, Frank Frank Blues had sold Dunhill pipes for years, so yeah. Okay. A super <laughs> expensive tamper and a seven or eight hundred dollar solid gold lighter makes every tobacco taste even better.
1: There, there we go. And for our listeners, that was a reference to an article I wrote once called "The Hidden Benefits of the Expensive Pipe Tamper," <laughs> which was a total farce, a complete, you know, um, joke about how an expensive tamper will actually improve the quality of the briar and make the the tobacco taste better, whereas a cheap nail type <laughs> tamper. Um, will actually produce a worse smoke. That was the joke, and uh, we, they, the article got into all kinds of obscure things like alchemy, and all <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's kind of a famous article in the sense of being completely useless.
0: It's, uh, it was almost as good as the article that Steve Fallon submitted once to the pipe collector, the NASPC thing. On April first, on how he washes and cleans and reuses pipe cleaners. <laughs>
1: so. That's right. When I was uh, a member of a, a pipe club in a in a different city, um, there was one pipe collector we had a member of the club, and I'm not joking, Brian. He gave us a complete, um, you know, discourse one day on how to put your tampers in the dishwasher and how you can reuse the – no, not the tampers, sorry, the cleaners. How you can reuse pipe cleaners by just continually (laughs) putting them (laughs) in the dishwasher. And he was dead serious, man. And we were – you know, I remember I was just – Cracking up. I mean, I, I was helpless with laughter, mostly because he was serious. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't want to say his name, of course, but it was uh, uh, quite quite a spectacle.
0: That particular. <laughs> but it was meeting. not. It was not either of us that are talking right now. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, but I, I think no. the um, uh, I, I think the moral of this story is. You know, of all the pipe mentors you've had, the moral is that like anything in this world, you know, I've raised two kids and unleashed them on the earth, uh, but they've had many other mentors besides me. And in my pipe smoking style and my pipe collection and my everything pipe related, I have taken bits and pieces from everybody and made it my own Based off of it works for me and
1: yeah and, and that's about all you can do i think what i tried to do with um my stepdaughter was to teach her how to recognize somebody who could be a mentor yeah and not just not just blindly take uh advice and instruction from somebody but actually look for the characteristics and qualities that a true mentor has and that's another topic for another time. Yeah. But um, that kind of, as well as, like you said, you know, encouraging self-reliance and the experimental attitude, where a person is willing to try certain things to see if they work, but not to accept things blindly as truth just because you know some bozo said something.
0: because some guy that
1: includes me i would throw myself in that bozo category
0: yeah i was gonna say because some bozo on the on the internet i heard him once say that straight grain pipes with wilderness pipe tobacco are the best things ever
1: Uh, yeah Yeah, well obviously that person should not only be ignored they might be better off uh executed
0: (laughs) or or at least you know gagged and tied and put into a corner somewhere so that they can't keep espousing that malarkey.
1: yeah can you can you brian can you ban somebody from our hobby? Has that ever been
0: done? Oh, I know a few people that aren't allowed around uh, <laughs> okay, I can think of a few names that are uh
1: how should we say notorious, but I don't know if they've ever been banned.
0: No, I can uh, think of a few names that have burned too many bridges and couldn't oh, come okay, back. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, so on that note, you... we'll, we'll say yeah. those are the non-mentors that you want in your life. <laughs> yeah,
1: those are the non-mentors. If
0: you but get old banned, old if you get banned from the pipe community, you have done something really terrible. I mean, oh, that's true. And regularly. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And there you go. And uh, hopefully, for some of you, this show has become a mentor and you've learned some of the little tricks and trades. All right, we'll be back in just a minute.
3: Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through smokingpipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack inspect and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then, we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345.
0: This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, you know, sometimes a mentor tells you, shows you not what to do, so... Sometimes you may not want to do what we do. Um, anyway, all right, for music, this time we're, uh, we're we're switching it up. No music, but we have poetry, original poetry, and I'm going to read it, so it's going to not sound as good as it is, or as well as it is written, because I ain't no official poetry reader. But, uh, so this one comes in from... Uh, through facebook the uh the poet bjorn stuvarod which i'm going to uh i'm i'm assuming that's (laughs) i'm assuming i didn't pronounce that correctly because i believe he's from sweden and uh, this is an original poem and it's called my pipes smoking a pipe all smoking a pipe feels always right my pipes are so good all it's made of wood no not all my pipes i'm not so dumb Some of them are made of meerschaum. Some of my pipes are made of Brass. Some of my pipes are made of Glass. Some of my pipes are made of Corn. Some of my pipes are made of Horn. Some of my pipes are made of stone. Some of my pipes make me Stoned. Some of my pipes are like a Crater. Some of my pipes are filled with water. All my pipes are so Incredible. Some of my pipes are made of vegetables. If I had a pipe of gold, I would be sold. Heavenly greetings from the great poet Bjorn Stuverod. And uh, that's translated from Swedish. So thank you very much. Uh, I've got a couple more of his if you'd like to hear them on a future show. And then uh, finally from our uh, musical director Dino. Uh, Dino wrote some limericks and here it goes. Brian has his very own internet show. It's where many fellow Pipers like to go to hear interesting interviews and catch up on P&T News. So tune in if you have some time to blow. All right. I'm not the greatest uh, reader of poetry, but uh, Dino, you outdid yourself on that one. Uh, So there you go. Uh, Comments, suggestions for music? Email them to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com
2: What's this? A letter for me.
0: And remember, if you have a comment or question, email it to me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com, or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Pipes Magazine. Uh, Just like going back to last week with uh, the flat cap Piper and Lady Fire, Dino says some interesting insights from Jeff regarding Briar. I truly enjoyed the conversation with flat cap piper and lady fire they were so much fun and yes it's great to hear the woman's point of view about pipes and the pipe community bravo lady fire uh the music was quite lovely and your rave was spot on a wonderful show thanks dino well you're welcome dino hope you like the music this week wasn't really music it was you Uh, and then casey ghost says nice critique of briar blocks by jeff uh it would have been nice to hear from another carver on the subject Good interview for, with Flatcat Piper and Lady Fire. They are a charming couple. Uh, it would have been nice uh, uh, if we had heard more of Lady Fire's backstory. Is she from Puerto Rico or elsewhere? They are publishing a lot of quality videos, which is amazing when you consider how little they smoke. Enjoyed the music, uh, though I wish, uh, I wish the piano didn't occasionally drown out Mr. Geit's marvelous vocals good suggestion good selection glad you liked it dan uh captain kirk said so neat to see flat cap and lady fire on the show when i came back from a break of making and watching videos they were one of the first channels i subbed love the rave i've made many friends in the youtube pipe community and the pipe community as a whole yeah and, uh, and, and I got to say the response to uh flat cap Piper and lady fire was overwhelming. So uh, Jay Everett said, uh, Hey, Brian, it's been a while since I've commented, but I do listen weekly. Your guests this week were a lot of fun to listen in on. I'm sorry to hear they live somewhere. Uh, smoking is forbidden. I think it's great that they have a hobby to share though. I'm going to check, <laughs> I'm going to check their YouTube My wife actually took up the pipe last year in the same manner as Lady Fire. I can attest that it takes a special lady to join you on a pipe hobby. Now she is collecting colorful Peterson pieces and enjoying fruity candy type aromatics. Thanks for all you do. I appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome and congratulations. Yeah, Uh, and no, no, uh, no judgment on fruity candy type aromatics. She's smoking a pipe tobacco that she likes. Uh, And then Streeper541 says, I enjoyed listening to this episode with my wife, who also happens to enjoy pipe smoking. She was very excited to hear the experiences of another female pipe smoker as she has yet to encounter another one in person. I suppose now we might have to check out their YouTube channel. Thanks for another good show, Brian. P.S. below is a picture of my wife's smoking cabinet. I thought you might get a kick out of seeing her collection. And she's got quite a collection in fact i think i see a scotty Pearsall in there uh and uh, yeah so I, I will say that if you come to a pipe show you'll see you'll see several other women that are pipe smokers that are coming and hanging out and wandering around uh honky tonk man says <clears throat> hi brian another fine show a nice novelty having couples sharing their experiences of His and hers pipe smoking. One doesn't see many pipe smokers out in the wild, and to see a lady piper, while even rarer, I only wish my wife was a little more accommodating to my hobby to allow me to smoke indoors. I live in a home. Uh, As for the music choice, as soon as I heard the good Dr. Malcolm Gite was the choice, a broad smile graced my face. He's one heck of a talented guy and a great orator. Malcolm would be... uh, another on your list of return guests that I'd recommend as always. Thanks for you and Kevin and your efforts. Happy smoking the honky talk man cliff. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Malcolm would be great to have back. I'd be afraid though. I might have to get really smart and ask smart questions. Uh, Brian Malone says it's always good to hear from Jeff Graysick in the ask the pipe maker segments. We are all very fortunate that he is so generous with his time, knowledge, and experience. For such a talented, celebrated artist to still be so humble and real is a rare thing indeed. It was really great to hear from Cap Piper and Lady Fire. A pipe-smoking couple seems rare, and it was great to hear their interwoven experiences and takes on all things pipes and tobacco. Malcolm's music is always a good choice as well. This week's entry was a joy. Thanks for doing what you do. Oh, You're welcome. And uh, Jim... Also wrote in and said, I wanted to comment on episode 520 of the Pipes Magazine radio show. It was my favorite so far. It was just something about it that was like the smell of homemade cookies on a cold winter day. When you walk in the house or a nice warm fire that's crackling in the fireplace with a big Labrador head on your knee. It was just very comfortable pleasure to listen to while smoking a Savinelli pipe with some sea breeze from Peterson. It made a very nice passing of time. I very much enjoyed the music, too. Please keep them coming. Thanks, Jim. I'll try my best. And, you know, I think one of the things that helped is uh, between Flat Cap Piper and Lady Fire, they have such a great relationship and great personalities that it really just came across really well. Uh, And then finally, going back to two weeks ago, uh, I missed this one. And Bryant writes, I enjoyed your recounting of the Columbus Pipe Show. Hopefully my schedule will allow me to attend one of these shows someday. I can definitely attest to the beauty of that drive from Charlotte to Columbus. It is a treat. It was interesting hearing from Doug Finlay about his automotive experience as well as his personal take on pipe making. Excellent musical tribute for one of the greats. She will be missed. But I think I prefer her original rendition. Thanks for another great show, as always. Best regards, Brian. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, rant time.
1: There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark.
0: I listened back to last week's show. I was reminded, of course, Flat Cap and Lady Pipe, uh, Lady Fire live in a complex where they can't smoke there, and that's because they they need to move there to be near family. But I was reminded, I was reminded that fall is coming, uh, spring in the southern hemisphere, the good outdoor weather for pipe smoking is coming, and we need to, as pipe smokers, I was just reminded that we need to make sure that we, we need to get out and smoke in public. We need to get out and support those places that allow us to smoke in public. Whether it be a coffee shop or your local brick and mortar. Wherever it is, we need to get out and we need to be pipe smokers out in public. So that people see what pipe smokers look like. And people see pipe smokers. And people realize that there are people that still do this thing called pipe smoking and enjoy it. So wherever you live... Make sure that you are going out and spending time out in public and supporting those places that are still open to having smokers around them. Maybe it's a uh, uh, near us, there's one of those uh, one of those live work play places where there's retail on the first floor and they've got park benches outside and restaurants around and you can sit on the park bench and smoke a pipe. You know what? Find those places, get out there and smoke your pipe out in public and help support those places that will still allow you to smoke in public because we don't want to, we don't want the whole world banning us to secret indoor corners or standing on the street corner somewhere, or you know uh, 50 feet from the nearest other thing that might be alive or any of that. So do make sure get out there, support those brick and mortars or those retail businesses or those parks or wherever you are allowed to smoke in public. All right? promise yeah uh support the pipe shows uh go to pipesmagazine.com and hit the pipe show page and you'll see all kinds of listings for the upcoming pipe shows and get out and support those too i know i know a little self-serving all right that's it so uh thank you very much to uh fred Hanna for joining me Thank you all for tuning in and until next time.
2: Happy trails to you, until
3: we meet
2: again. Happy trails to you, He's Uncle and
1: can. The clouds when we're together.
0: Just sing a song and think
2: about sunny weather. Happy trails, trails to you, till boom, meet
0: time over and over, this guy is redundant.